Hashtag never alone with Joe and Mark. Hi everyone, welcome to Hashtag Never Alone episode 19, the pod, uh, penultimate episode of season one. I am your lived experience host, Joe Ambrick. And I'm co-host um, and relationship counsellor and psychotherapist, Mark Fielding. Um, and today's episode is the second to last episode of season in one, we'll be doing a Q&A tomorrow, hosted by our former host, Jordan Halverson. But today's topic focuses on is schizophrenia. Um, so a little bit about schizophrenia. It is a chronic and severe mental health disorder, which affects 20 million people worldwide. This is off the um, World Health Organization website. Uh, schizophrenia is characterized by distortions in thinking, perception, emotions, language, sense of self-belief, um and behavior common experiences include hallucinations hearing voices or seeing things that are not there and delusions such as fixed and false beliefs all suspicions not shared by others in the person's culture and that are firmly held even when there is evidence to the contrary um abnormal behavior disorganized behavior such as wandering aimlessly um laughing to self, mumbling, um, self-neglect, um, sometimes appearing unkept, disorganised speech, incoherent or irrelevant speech, and disturbances of emotion, uh, marked apathy or disconnect between reporting emotion and what is observed, such as facial expression or body language, and often withdrawal. I mean, I, I think people, you know, that suffering episodes of schizophrenia often withdraw from, from others, so I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Um... And we are actually joined, um, as we have many other episodes, um, we are joined by a lived experience episode, uh, lived experience guest. Um, he's also an author that we'll be discussing in our book as well. Um, I'd like to introduce uh, Lana Mitchell. Hi, Lana. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, just give us a little insight onto your lived experience with schizophrenia, like what's your experience and personal experience? Yeah, sure. So I have experienced five mental health episodes across six years from 2013 to 2018. And each of those involved, involved a hospitalization. Now, my diagnose, journey to diagnosis and, you know, the, the label that the health industry has given me is that initially it was psychotic depression. And then later on in my fifth and final hospitalization, the diagnosis of schizophrenia came through. So what I'd love to put forward is that that concept of, of suffering from a mental illness and then also thriving in the context of having a mental illness at the same time. And as you mentioned, I've written a book about my experiences. And so I really, the main thing, the main thing I love to talk about today is that that concept that you can be thriving and also have a mental illness. Yeah, and we, and we this is something we always try and get uh, get get across on the show, Alana. You know, we can we kind of both struggle a little bit with labels, and you know, and the idea that people that you know experiencing you know different kind of mental health conditions can't thrive in their lives. And this is what you're saying, isn't it? That you are thriving. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm glad that you have other guests on the show that also have that perspective as well, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how long have you been diagnosed with schizophrenia or have had it? So 
looking back, I would say that the from the episode one of when I had my first mental health breakdown, um, that would that would it was the same pattern. So I had that in 2013, and then I received the formal diagnosis in 2018. Okay. So three three years ago, and that was um, the last hospital stay I had and I've gone on to like a a little bit if I if I may um in that last hospital stay I was in a really dire financial situation at the time and also due to my mental health condition the doctors at the time assessed my situation and they had said that I would be homeless and so what that brought up for me was that I had this immense like will of no I I will not be homeless and I went ahead and within the mental health facility with another patient created a business called Acuity Coffee, which I created a website in, I had my laptop there and created a website, um, created a prototype. And then when I was um, discharged from hospital, I took that to Bondi Farmers Marcus, which is on Australia's Bondi Bondi Beach, I'm sure that you have heard of of the famous Bondi Beach. So the markets there took Acuity to the markets and I was sharing content about Acuity Coffee online and I ended up landing three months later after receiving that prediction of homelessness, I ended up landing a six-figure salary in a creatively satisfying role in one of Australia's big four banks, which was a return to my original career in banking. Uh, And then further further to that two years later I bought my own home so yeah I I guess I and and I think the thing with mental illness is a lot of the a lot of the focus is on when people are unwell Uh, and there are also a lot of people who are actively managing their their diagnosis and their conditions and living really normal even thriving lives um despite that and I'm okay so in point I'm I'm wondering about this comment that you'd be homeless and I'm just wondering why that comment was made what was it seems like quite an unhelpful comment really I'm just wondering what the context was oh sure sure so I Mm. had I was in financial services and I left financial services to follow my dream which was to start a coaching business I started that in 2016 and I received a few clients. However, the majority of my time was living off my savings. And so there was the, the living off savings, trying to bring in clients, financially stressed, um, got to the point where through experiencing one of my episodes of um, psychosis or later to be diagnosed schizophrenia, um, I had asked my housemate to leave. So she left. And I didn't find another housemate. So I was paying two lots of rent in Sydney, which is quite expensive from my savings. And I got to the point where my savings ran out. So I call, I, I started, I had been using credit cards um, and still managing with some savings and making the minimum of payments. Um, anyway, I ended up having to ask my family for support, which they generously gave me. And so when I was hospitalized, that was at the peak of all that Um situation happening and the doctors learn about my financial situation so they made the they're in their view made the um call that I would be homeless which I mean like 
in 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 reality, I have a loving and supporting family. So should I should I not have somewhere to live? I would absolutely be able to live with my family without a doubt. So I I just I think that um, sometimes the the how do I put this the the mental health system can be going through a process and not necessarily seeing all the human aspects and and human potential in those environments. And so that's what I experienced. And it also, I'm really thankful for that because because of that um, person who, the doctor who said that, I now have have a story that I can share. I had something that pulled me out of that situation. So had I not received that view that I could become homeless, I wouldn't have found Acuity Coffee. I wouldn't have gone out and got three hospitality jobs and worked seven days a week to pay my rent. Um, you know, I, I may not have connected with my old colleagues who happened to see my posts, you know, and all of that came from his his comment, which um, was really impactful at the time. And when I look back, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and you do have some healthcare professionals who say like unhelpful things. I've had that. I've been in that situation, especially when I went for my my hospital stay um, in mental health. Like some, I can't remember what they said, but it was unhelpful. And even my mum, who's a nurse, is like, "Why are they telling you that when you you've just been through a traumatic time?" And then they're telling you stuff that's giving you hope that they shouldn't be giving you because it's not realistic. But um, like I. I agree with you like the mental health some of the people with mental health issues are probably the most resilient people there's an issue I think we talk, um, t- touched on in the last episode about it prepares you for the worst but then also it can be seen as a strength not just a weakness mm, hugely yeah yeah and there's a lot oh, oh sorry did you want no, to go, no, no. go, go ahead Lord. oh <laughs> Yeah, I, it's one of the joys of having three people in the in the conversation. <laughs> um, I, I mean, with the COVID pandemic at the moment, it's 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 everyday people that are experiencing, you know, mental health like stress, burnout, all all that is happening because you've got parents that are at least where I'm from in Australia in Sydney, we've got parents who are homeschooling their children. Um, they're doing full-time jobs they're working from home like it's just a whole other kettle of fish and yeah. you know some some people it's 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 a lot for them you know so the meditation mindfulness um being aware having empathy has a huge uh, there's a huge way for that at the moment yeah. just bringing in the kind of eastern influence and in, in terms of the Eastern influence and, and in terms of your resilience and you pushing through and you becoming really successful, what, what, what's the, I mean, how, how have you used the Eastern influences in your own life? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I first experienced Eastern influence when I went through to Nepal and did a 10-day introduction to Tibetan Buddhism. And some of the things that were taught to me then just stayed with me. Like one of the quotes is from Annie Karen that um, the mind is the sky and the clouds are the thoughts. You know, the mind is the clear, the clear blue sky. Um, and so I've been had that experience in 2012 with an Eastern perspective. And then I worked with a coach and without her having like a religious aspect to it, 
um, she's very much into meditation, into mindfulness. And so through her teachings and through her exposure, um, her name is Giselle. Um, I also, you know, wrapped into more of that. So I guess the other big part of it is that, you know, we're not this singular human body. We're also part of a bigger network, part of a, like the universal consciousness, consciousness, if I can get that word out, um, that, you know, we're all part of the one and we all have this human experience and there's also this divine experience as well. So yeah, in answer to your question, that's what I would say. Yeah. And I'm thinking of the kind of Buddhist concept of interdependence. And, you know, I guess that is kind of speaks really in, in a way to, to what you're saying, you know, we all, we are all linked and we could really go down the rabbit hole with this. Couldn't we, we could start talking about quantum particle physics and how it links with Buddhism, but I'm going to avoid that because it's a bit of a, I've got a real passion for this area as well. I mean, you, you mentioned, I had a good look, good read through your website, which I loved really. And you mentioned the kind of empty rice bowl, concept and I was really interested maybe to hear a little bit more about that oh sure so I picked that up from from it's a Buddhist perspective to come forth with the empty rice bowls so you know that I think in western culture well at least my experience if I can speak from that from western culture has been that we feel ourselves with knowledge we feel ourselves with experience and we become the experts and we have all this knowing when really when you look at like the amount of knowing that's infinite I mean if you look at languages new words are created every day so it's not possible to know every word in the language so if you come forth with the empty rice bowl especially to someone who is maybe a little bit wiser or has more experience you're in a receptive mode where you can receive from them and fill up in in knowledge and then apply it in your life and then go to a new situation with another empty mind I'm also kind of thinking about uh, beginner's mind in, in Buddhism. And yeah, I mean, it, it's really, really fascinating. Do, do you, I'm guessing you probably have your own meditation practice, do you? And you yeah. use everyday mindfulness. I wonder if you could tell our listeners a little bit around what it gives you, because not all our listeners will, will have a meditation practice. And, you know, I think it's really good for mental health to have one. So I'm really interested in your personal experiences and how it's helped you. Yeah, sure, Mark. So I meditate once a week, roughly, most weeks more than that. Um, But yeah, usually about once a week. And my experience of meditation is really what I find it is, is dropping into the sense of feeling. So um, there's that concept of what we resist persists. So if we have a feeling that's left undenied or sorry, denied or not attended to, that feeling will persist. So it really allows me to feel the whole of my experience um, in the meditation. I use guided meditations, mostly from Giselle, the lady who I work with before, um, but a few other a few other people as well. Um, yeah, there's, there's loads out there. Um, and yeah, I think for if you if for the listeners, if you're new to meditation, sometimes what I've experienced initially myself and in other people who have experienced my meditation, some of the feedback is they have a lot of thoughts and it's really distracting. Um, It's hard for them to focus. And the biggest message that I can give for those, if you're in that situation is to fully accept that there are thoughts. And one of the teachings from that course that I mentioned in 2012 is that 
you know, there will be thoughts and they will be frequent and the frequency will reduce. And so you, and there's less attachment to the thought as well. So you become more and more blue sky and less clouds, if I may. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's definitely true. You know, just to share, I mean, I have a similar experience, you know, I've, I've had a, um meditation practice for a number of years came into it quite late really in life you know but i have to say it's completely changed my life really you know and and everyday mindfulness as well you know it's it's so easy just to be mindful if you set the intention to be mindful and to show up in your own life it it just becomes easier and easier doesn't it you know just to kind of have external focus and and sometimes i meditate you know and my mind is absolutely full of thoughts it's really busy but I guess it doesn't matter, you know, because the goal of meditation is really not to have an empty mind, although sometimes that does happen. And, and that's quite mm. nice. But the goal is just to be able to watch your thoughts, really, just to create that kind of detachment. And I think with the, the more one meditates, the more that detachment is possible. And I think that is helpful for, you know, so many people, you know, people with anxiety, I think often can really benefit from meditation because the anxious thoughts don't generate so much emotion. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I think so. it's, well, we could talk for hours about it. It's, it's an amazing area. I mean, I'm, I'm also wanting to ask you about compassion and just tell me a little bit around what that means to you and, you know, how that perhaps has, you know, helped you in your own life. I'm taking a moment to reflect on that. It's a really sure. great question. So compassion is for me, feeling like true authentic love for the other person and that's separate of like my need to be loving them or their need to feel feel loved anything there's no attachment in that um and to really yeah feel that for for the other person as well um and how compassion has affected my life i've been the recipient of compassion from my family especially who helped me yeah, when I wanted to be very independent and couldn't be very independent at that point. Um, and then in turn, you know, I was filled up. And so my cup was overflowing and I was able to be compassionate to other people in my lives and give support to those people um, because, you know, I had received that. And so I knew what it felt like and I was able to flow that on to other people as well which they have been grateful for. And I'm sure, you know, they've also paid it forward in their lives as well. As I mentioned, we were introducing you, you're an author. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your book? What's it called and what is it about? Sure. My book is called Being Brave From Trauma to Joy. And it is a story of my mental health transformation. Starts off in you know, Central Coast where I grew up in Australia, takes the readers through my five mental health episodes from 2013 to 2018, takes them on how my housemate who turned into my boyfriend came into my life and also takes them through some of the facilitation opportunities that I've had at Westpac, um, which is where I work. And, it, and for context, that's one of the big four banks in Australia. Okay. And also some questions for readers to reflect on because 
the purpose of me sharing that story is for other people to see that their their life too is a multi-dimensional experience and they're capable of things that go beyond their beliefs. Yeah. Um, and do you feel writing the books kind of eased the weight of your chest and also giving that positive energy that you help might help someone, even if it's just one person? Yeah. 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 Um, I'd, I'd just share that it's funny that we talk about meditation because the idea for the book came from meditation as well. So I had a period of, it was actually during COVID in 2020 when we we um, were working from home and I had a lot of time on my hands. So I meditated and I, I received the idea of writing the book. So I, I feel for me, it was more a creative outlet um, to have a side project going on in a time where I found myself with more time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So the creativity really, in, in, you know, during the pandemic, was something really positive to focus on and I guess you're creating the book and interestingly the, the idea from the book came through meditation it just it just popped in didn't it? the idea for writing the book yeah yeah so I had was meditating probably for about daily for about a week or so because I wasn't like I just had done some big projects and facilitated some big sessions uh, at work and I didn't really have anything on the go and I usually have something on the go and so a friend suggested that I meditate and I thought, oh, okay, we'll try that. And then about a week or so into it, the idea for medita- the book, sorry, just dropped in one day and I thought, you know, why don't I share my story? Uh, and then the book was born from there. And as you touched on, um, as you touched on there, it's really a, you know, perspective of sure we're in lockdown and, you you could focus on the freedoms that we don't have or you could focus on the opportunities that have become available and I, and like noted there are a lot of people who are impacted financially businesses are impacted you know people are unwell um, so I'm not denying any of that I'm also acknowledging that we amongst that there are opportunities yeah Absolutely. I guess, uh, yeah. And it, it is true, you know, lots of people have been impacted you know, really negatively, but I guess there are potential opportunities from, you know, any new experience, really. Um, yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask you about your leadership program as well, Alana. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, that was something that I read a lot about on your website. And, yeah. I'd like to hear more uh, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, sure, Mark. I have four leadership programs, which I've receive the names of one of those is human ignition and so that's really sparking leaders into igniting into the next stage of their leadership i also have being brave which is a reflection of the book and extension of the book um, which is for leaders who are wanting to share their story embrace their vulnerabilities uh, then I have another concept, but it isn't flying as much as the others. Not, not all of them are, fly, are flying. Um, one is emotional product design, and that's really reflecting on, you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of talk in my industry at the moment about product design. Um, that's really reflecting on the process that I've gone through myself, which is slightly different to what happens in a corporate for new products. And then there is the Eastern Influence Corporate Leader, which is blending of mindfulness, presence, empathy, compassion. 
um, into that and to like be transparent. I don't all run all of those programs at once. So I would have one client on the as a side hustle with one of those programs at once. Yeah. In terms of in terms of new leaders, I'm I'm thinking about you know the leadership program and youth and influence and leaders you know being compassionate, having empathy, and and I'm comparing that to you know other kind of leadership styles that perhaps are going you know out now of micromanaging and you know and control through fear and 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 I'm just yeah I mean I just wanted to hear a little bit around how you see it I mean the the new leadership if I can put it that way you know people with empathy and comparing it to perhaps old leadership that was done through fear and stick rather than carrot and that kind of thing so I see it coming through in two ways the first is what you've touched on there, empathy and personal dynamics. So more of that, less of the um, hierarchical, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the boss, so you do what I tell you to do, that kind of approach. Um, and more of the feminine, the divine feminine, fen, I can't say that properly, but feminine yeah. um, as, aspect of being a a more inclusive collective there's a lot of diversity and inclusion activities happening so I see that and then I see that also the physical factor of working from home in the COVID setting a lot of people really enjoy having the freedom to work from home they don't I mean I myself don't have to commute two hours so I have an additional two hours in my day and so I see that that, you know, you have to, in Australia, we say like bums on seats. You have to see the person at their desk working away when we've proven that we can do huge technology releases without having to be physically at your desk in an office um, as well. So I see that that um, is also something that leaders are adapting to at the moment because it's kind of just um, in the last year, just all come at once. Sure. And I'm thinking of you just, just staying on, you know, on leadership. There's, um, there's a phone I'm blocking on her. Now. There's a psychologist, American psychologist called Christine Neff. I don't know whether you've ever come across her. She talks about kind of her thing is compassion. And she, she just brought a new book out called Fierce Compassion, which, you know, which, which I think is fantastic. And, and she talks about, I guess, explicitly and sometimes not explicitly bringing the feminine energy you know into the corporate workspace you know and bringing in fierce compassion you know the drive to do things in a compassionate way and empathy and I guess that's also speaking to what you're saying there's something about the feminine energy coming into you know I I think the world generally that is much needed but also into into corporations I mean corporations I think historically have been quite a male energy you know maybe a toxic male energy and I think you know the feminine energy coming in hopefully will make some real, real positive change mm, I believe so too yeah yeah if it's okay I wanted to just maybe go just rewind a little bit and just I wonder if you could just explain to our listeners give an idea what it is like to have an episode if that's okay so you've moved through kind of five episodes, but I just wonder, well, what's it like when you're in the midst of one of these episodes, just to kind of help our listeners understand really, you know, what the, what the feeling is, what it's like. Mm. So for me, my experience was a build up over 
a period of about six months and I experienced symptoms of disordered thinking, um, paranoia, uh, and, you know, those peaks where I felt like the people that were closest to me were against me. Um, and so they escalated into situations where I was taken to hospital, usually forcibly taken to hospital because I didn't want to go. I don't, <laughs> I don't like the environment in hospital at all. Um, so I, after the first experience, I never wanted to go back. Um, so, yeah, I was always taken to hospital. Um, and, you know, the things like for me, like I was, thoughts were rushing. I wasn't able to sleep, um, wasn't able to eat properly, definitely wasn't able to take care of myself in the way that I usually do. And yeah, I mean, most of the time, like I would feel scared when I got into hospital. Um, it's a very confronting environment and there are some confronting personalities as well um, when you're first placed in there. And you've also just been through like a really like a heavy traumatic experience as well, coming to hospital in most times. So it's, it's all, it's all a lot. Um, yeah. And I've, I'd say that like, I didn't feel, oh, my, I wasn't too sensitive on feelings in the lead up to it because it was for me it's very thought-based but um definitely when, once I got into hospital initially most times I felt scared um, when did, um you say you were diagnosed in 2018 did you have anything like childhood trauma or anything previous that kind of might have led to the schizophrenia and the psychosis no so I it came out of the blue I have no idea where this came from. Um, I experienced my first episode in 2013 and we had no idea what was going on at the time. It wasn't until like things started to escalate escalate, and my behavior was really odd that my family started to notice that things weren't right. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I had a <laughs> happy a happy childhood. I have two loving parents who are divorced now, but like no, no dramas. Um, I was really gifted at school or oh, still am do. I mean, I do a lot of things, but um, yeah, I like high typical high achiever. It must've been really confusing at the time, you know, for both you and your family when, you know, when the symptoms started to come on and the episodes, it must have been really confusing before the diagnosis. Oh, uh, I still think it is, even with a diagnosis, it's to go through those experiences. In, in my experience, it's still confusing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what causes what goes on. I don't think there's a rational explanation for that. Um, and, you know, my parents were just concerned about my well-being um, and they care for me a lot. So in my, as do my friends as well. And I think for like people, if there are people who are listening that support people who experience mental health um, issues, you know, the, or concerns, the thing is a lot of my friends, they didn't know what to do when I went through that. 
Um, so, you know, for me, it was really, you know, that they were there and they were supportive and we did things like going to the gym or going to yoga um, and, and supporting your friend who's experiencing that to create healthy habits um, is the best, best tip I can give. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people don't know how to react to mental health. Is, I mean, now there's probably a lot more about it, but before there probably wasn't that much information out there about mental health because obviously it's not the same as having a broken arm and stuff. It's not like there are physical symptoms of it, but it's also seen as an invisible illness. I've had had a similar situation with myself, um, with my friends, where when I went through my traumatic period, they didn't know how to react. Some of them just like didn't know what to say and kind of stayed away and didn't contact me or anything because they didn't know what to say. But then there was other people that were asking me questions and wanted to know how they could help and kind of said to me, take your time. And when you're ready, we can go and do stuff or we can go and hang out. Yeah. Um, do you find something similar with you with your friends and family? I've had been lucky enough to have more of the uh, curious, I'd say, people, um, experiences in my life and and the support as well. So an example of that is when I first started talking about my mental health experiences, um, that was in about towards the end of 2018, um, I had, as I said, my, my housemate who turned into my boyfriend. And when I shared with him initially, this was before I was sharing anything online, before I'd even considered writing a book, um, he took a great curiosity in that and did all this research about oh. what it was and asked me all these questions. And he, he looked into what movies we could watch. Um, so he found the movie with Russell Crowe called A Beautiful Mind. Oh, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. And we watched that and, and, you know, some of those scenes were quite confronting for me because that was pretty much what I went through. Um, pretty similar. So he had this really warm, curious, just really genuine nature about it and really accepting. And that helped me to in turn accept within myself all of what happened 100%. So when I did start to go more public, what I received from other people was that they also accepted me 100%. And I even had people from um, where I worked at the time who experienced me um, having an episode. Um, they came back and said, you know, what a story, um, I, such a such a transformation that you've made and comments like that. So, yeah, overwhelming support. Um, and when you really, after you released your book, did you have a lot of positive feedback from people asking questions? about your journey and maybe saying that they've been through a similar experience? Yes, that happens. It happened tonight. I, so I had, I'm t- I've just finished translating my book to Spanish and the lady who did the proofread, um, I won't share her details, but um, she said, you know, she'd had a similar experience. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, that's, that's helped her. Um, most people, when they get the book, they come back and they say, I opened it up and I read it in one sitting. I couldn't put it down. And it's only a short book. It only takes an hour to an hour and a half to read. Um, yet it is still impactful for them. So, yeah. It's Such a wonderful... Sorry, Joe, go ahead. It's amazing how when others speak up, it kind of does encourage people to chat about their own mental health or come across. I, 
um, I released a film a few years ago of anxiety, and I, I mean, our listeners have probably watched and um, about I shared my own journey, and a lot of my friends and some other people shared their journey on the film, and I had people in my family come to me and friends come to me that I didn't, you know, have mental health issues. They seem like just such a normalized person, and they come to me and said, "Oh, well, you've encouraged me to speak up about anxiety." It, um, it's good and that's kind of what we're trying to do with the podcast encourage others to kind of come and say oh I've got my own mental health issues um yeah it's kind of similar mm. in that yeah, yeah yeah so important and- for people to talk out isn't it I mean just, just to mirror what Joe's saying yeah this is what we're trying to do on the podcast here you know I think people being open and you know I guess the acceptance piece what you were talking about you know accepting you know where you are kind of helps other people to to accept but the talking about it i think is so important you know because things are slightly changing society is more open but i think there needs to be a lot more conversation really so you know different mental health conditions can be normalized because you know we all experience mental health don't we in different ways so i think it's really inspiring really you know what, what you're doing oh thank you thank yeah. you yeah how can people get hold of the the book if people want to read the book, where, where, how, how do they get hold of it? Where is it available? In two ways. So if you're in Australia, you can go to my website, which is www.alanamaymaimitchell.com or you can Google it and it'll come up on Amazon for you. There's print on demand, so it takes. I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know how long it takes to print on demand. I think it's a week, but it depends. <laughs> yeah, that's where they can get the book from. And there's um, the print book and the ebook as well. Oh, it's amazing. We'll all share that on our socials and um, hopefully encourage some of our listeners to go and buy it because it is a wonderful resource to be out there and especially one that shares someone's mental health journey that hopefully encourages more, especially our listeners, to go and speak to someone about their mental health. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah the openness is really key, isn't it? Allowing people to be open to talk about their mental health to, to others. You know, often these conversations start, don't they? Someone will open up about their mental health, you know, maybe to a small group, and then everyone will open up about their mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really wonderful, but it does take one person often to be brave, doesn't it, I think? And so, you know, make themselves kind of vulnerable and just open up to in order to get those conversations flowing. So, mm. yeah. And especially with what you mentioned around the changes that are coming in the corporate organisations, where if leaders step into that role of being brave, that's really powerful for them to create the space for their people to also um, to model that for them too. Yeah, I mean, the, the new leadership, I mean, if I can just kind of put it like that, yeah, it, it's really, really important, isn't it? I think, you know, the, it, it's needed in corporations, I would say it's needed in, you know, in much, much wider, you know, in, in the world, but the bringing of this feminine energy into the world, I think is, you know, is much needed. And this could be a whole other podcast, couldn't it? But <laughs> <laughs> Starting some yeah. more ideas for you. <laughs> yeah. um, you also mentioned just before we start recording, you're starting your own podcast. Um, can you just tell us what the name is and then um, when we'll be able to, when people can listen? It's very exciting. So the podcast is called the Eastern Influence Corporate Leader Podcast. 
And I have my first recorded interview on Tuesday next week and lining everything up. I should be able to launch it by Friday night, Saturday Australian time. Uh, And the Instagram handle for that is at Eastern Influence. Hang on. At Eastern underscore influence um, is is the handle for that. And the, the podcast will be on all the usual channels. And and go well share it on our socials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and oh, a bit about it as as well. You asked, um, so the really with what Mark was saying that new leadership, like it's a a lead into that as well. So the invite is that I'll have um, prominent figures with Eastern style perspectives coming to share their insights on mindfulness presence, compassion, empathy, kindness, um, and all other topics that they that they see in that category. And the idea is the people who will tune in are people who would love to embrace more of that in their own leadership. Amazing. Um, we'll be sure to check it out when it's released and encourage our listeners to go and listen to it. Um, um, yeah, we cool. hope it hits the ground running and um, goes really well. Thank you. Best of luck with it as well. Thank you. I just want to wrap up by saying um, massive thank you for coming on and sharing your journey and talking about your book and podcasts. It's um, been a pleasure to have you on. Oh, you're so welcome. And yeah, thanks so much for coming. On. We'll get stuff. you on again at some stage when when your yeah. next book comes out. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you back. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah that would be great. We we'd like to really encourage people to go and buy your book and stay tuned for the podcast. We'll share it on our socials. And um, just want to touch on something that's happening next week as well on Thursday, 9th of September. It's Are You Okay Day? Um, which kind of incorporates some of the things we've been talking about going and encouraging people to go and talk to their mates um, and hopefully encourage them to open up about their mental health and start the conversation. Um, Mark and I are releasing the video that I'll be uploading on Thursday um, about Are You Okay? Um, and also 10th of September on the Friday is World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, we should be releasing content for that as well and I encourage people to go and listen to our suicide episode with Daryl Green and also our impacts and causes of suicide episode with uh, Amelia Olsen. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, go and check it out. And hopefully we can kind of um, encourage people to kind of prevent suicide, which is obviously the purpose of the day. I've been in my own personal space with uh, suicidal thoughts, which I've touched upon in previous episodes. And hopefully we can prevent or change someone's mind. Uh, also, I'd like to thank Mark for helping co-host yet again. Um, a pleasure as always, Jane. We will be back tomorrow with a, a Q&A in our final episode of season one. Um, next week, we'll be taking a week off um, to do some planning for season two and also uh, a bit of promotional stuff. So I will be <laughs> on our socials with the update when season two starts. Um, we've got a few special guests lined up, which will announce on our socials and we can't wait to bring them to you um, and just want to say thank you again to Alana for joining us and yeah, thanks oh you're again, so welcome Alana. nice to meet and, you and thank you so much um, and thank you to our listeners for listening yet again um, 
And yeah. <laughs> if you or anyone you know has been affected by the topics discussed in today's episode or previous episodes, please contact your local or country's helpline. You will find them by going to Google and typing in helpline. Um, they have Samaritans, Suicide Helpline, but remember that you're not alone, as the title of the podcast says. Um, there are many other people like you that have got mental health issues and feel suicidal and feel alone, but there's always someone there for you to talk to, be it a friend, a family member, a stranger, a psychotherapist or a doctor. There's someone to talk to. I've been in that position before, and talking to someone really does help. It's okay to not be okay. And I will see you in the next episode.